0: Matthew seven twenty four through 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and the great fall of it. Deuteronomy 4, 1-14 And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them, that you may live, and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I commanded you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at baal peor for your Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the ball of Piar. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are all alive today. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I have seen before you today? Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. How on that day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me, that I may let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth, that they may teach their children so. And you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud, and gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. And he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules, that you might do them in the land that you are going over to possess. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Annalise. Pray with me. Gracious God, you have revealed yourself to us in the person and work of Jesus, and you have invited us to participate in your life through Jesus. You have drawn us to yourself. You have made promises that you will be our God and that we in Christ may be your people. We long for that to be true, not just in knowledge, but in experience. And so would you be faithful to us and for us this morning? Would you give us all that we need through your words? May they be life for us so that we might bear fruit for our friends and for our neighbors. We'll give you the glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Every good pep talk comes at a time of opportunity. You know this to be true. Whether it was a coach who gave you a pep talk on the eve of the big game maybe a band instructor who gave you a pep talk as the performance is about to begin. Maybe it was a good friend or roommate who gave you a pep talk as you were about to begin a new job or a new career. But you know that every good pep talk comes at a time of opportunity. And the fall generally, usually, is such a time of opportunity. The fall is an opportunity for us to bear fruit, to bear good fruit, to use the words of the Bible. This is certainly true in the life of my family. This falls a particularly unique opportunity that is in front of us. We've moved to a new city. We are participating in a new church family. We have three new school communities that we're plugging into, new friends, all opportunities we hope and trust to have impact in the lives of those around us, to bear good fruit. And maybe this fall that's true for you. You feel like you're standing at the edge of opportunity. Maybe you're coming uh, back to school. Maybe you're coming to school as a freshman at the University of Texas, filled with opportunity, a fresh chance to move into a new phase of life and not just experience fullness for yourself, but to Bless somebody else. Maybe as a senior, you feel like you're primed and you're ready to be able to love others well in this phase of your life. Maybe in your workplace or in your home or in your neighborhood or on the ball field or in the band auditorium or wherever it is, you feel like right now, God is giving you a fresh opportunity to bear good fruit. This is certainly true, or it feels true for me, for us, as a community following Jesus here at Grace and Peace Austin. Last week, we had the opportunity uh, to celebrate a four-year birthday and an installation service, which means that you now have a new pastor. And so, those ways that you have desired and longed to be able to not just experience the goodness of life with God for yourself, though that is one of the immense blessings that we have in Jesus Christ but to be able to pass that blessing on to others around you here in this city, here in this neighborhood. The vision and mission of this church is to be a gospel-formed family for the city. And so we have a fresh opportunity, and I've heard you talk with excitement about This opportunity. I had the chance to visit uh, the Diaconate meeting. And for those of you who may be unfamiliar, the Diaconate is a group of leaders who are committed to helping us as a congregation reach out into our city with the love of Christ. And that meeting was just filled with enthusiasm and excitement about trying to find wisdom and being courageous with ways to love this city, whether it's mobile loaves and fishes or ministry to refugees or foster prayer, or whatever it might be. I've had the opportunity to sit in meetings with parish group leaders who are excited about trying to figure out ways that our parishes, our uh, gatherings and homes that are facilitated around God's Word and in relationship with Him, but finding ways for those parishes uh, to be a blessing to neighbors and to those around us, to bear good fruit. I've had the opportunity to sit in a room filled with young adults who are excited about the idea and the opportunity of plugging into youth ministry, middle school and high school, so that in and through that ministry, campuses here in Austin might be blessed with the love of Jesus. Every good pup talk comes standing in the shoes of opportunity. And the question becomes, how? How do we go, how do we be Fruit-bearing followers of Jesus, living lives that are for others here in our community and beyond. What does good fruit look like and where does it come from? Well, we just finished a sermon series uh, in the letters of John. And Jesus in the gospel of John said, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. That the secret of bearing fruit is abiding in Jesus, putting roots down into a relationship with him. Well, that sounds great, but what does that mean? to abide in Jesus? What does bearing good fruit look like? What did it mean for Jesus? Where did that idea come from for Him in the first place of abiding in relationship with God so that we could bear good fruit for others? Well, at least part of the answer is Deuteronomy. Jesus got the concept of abiding in God for the sake of others From the book of Deuteronomy, I don't know what you think of, uh, and by the way, we're beginning a sermon series that we're going to continue for the next three months or so in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, fifth book in the Bible, the last of the Pentateuch, the five books of the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I don't know what you think of when you think of Deuteronomy. Um, Perhaps you think of an outdated, uh, maybe irrelevant, maybe even... Dangerous gathering of laws and rules and commandments. Perhaps when you think of Deuteronomy, you think about that time back, way back then, when God was more concerned about rules, but now He's concerned about grace in Jesus. Maybe you don't think much of Deuteronomy at all. You don't think about Deuteronomy much at all. And that's okay, but I would encourage you and myself to be challenged by the pep talk that is Deuteronomy, because in the words of George Costanza, it's gold, Jerry, gold. Those of you who are old enough to remember Seinfeld or young enough to think Seinfeld is hip again can get the reference. Deuteronomy is fantastic. Deuteronomy is a book that is from first to last All about learning how to root our lives in relationship with our covenant God so that we can bear fruit for our neighbors, for our community. There's a quote on page 2 in your worship folder from Christopher Wright. He basically says that Deuteronomy is the heartbeat of the Old Testament. When you get the pulse of Deuteronomy, you get the pulse of the entire Hebrew Bible. And remember that the Hebrew Bible is Jesus' Bible. Deuteronomy is one of the most referenced books of the Old Testament in the New Testament and by Jesus himself. He was saturated in its wisdom and in its commandments. And if it can be Jesus' playbook for how to put down roots and bear fruit, then it can be ours as well as we root our lives in him. Uh, We're picking up in chapter 4 because we don't have enough weeks to go verse by verse all the way through Deuteronomy. But Deuteronomy begins on the precipice of opportunity. In chapter 1, it begins with Moses, Israel's leader, speaking to all Israel on the edge of the Jordan, about to enter the land that God had promised them. And how did they get there? Well, we could go all the way back to the first pages of Genesis and remind ourselves that God Gifted his own relationship with our first parents, Adam and Eve. He gave them a land in which they were able to experience life with him, put down roots into that life, so that they could then be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, go and live fruit bearing lives. And they did for a while until they didn't. They broke the relationship with God and they were cast out of the land. And God said, I won't let that stay. I won't let that be the end of the story. And so we could pick up in Genesis 12 with Abraham. And God comes to Abraham and he does the very same thing. He says, Abraham, I'm going to be a God to you. That's my promise. I'm making that covenant with you, that you and your family after you will be my people And I'm going to put my blessing upon you. And you can put your roots deep down into relationship with me. And as you do, guess what, Abraham? You and your family will be a blessing to the world. And it happened, and it worked for a while. And Abraham's family became a family, became a nation. And then that nation became enslaved in the land of Egypt. And you may remember the story of Exodus that the people cried out and God heard their cry and he delivered them from the iron smelting furnaces of Egypt. And remember, he told Pharaoh, I'm going to take my people away from you into a promised land where they can put their roots down into relationship with me and then be a blessing to the world. In Exodus 19, God says that if you'll keep my commandment, if you'll go deep with me, you will be my people And you will be a kingdom of priests. You will mediate my goodness and my love and my life to the world around you. And so, God's people leave Egypt. They take a little break for 40 years because of some trouble. And now here they are, a new generation standing at the threshold, about to enter into the land that God had promised. What an opportunity. Every pep talk begins with an opportunity. And Moses delivers a pep talk of all pep talks. With every opportunity presented, a pep talk has to have a promise. Doesn't it? If you'll do this, then this will happen. If you can just perform, then you'll win the big game. There's a promise that comes with every pep talk. And Moses gives one. Look at verse 1. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them that you may live and go into the land and take possession of it. It's the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving to you. Friends, this is the promise that comes from Moses. But, of course, it's coming from God through the words of Moses. To God's people then and to God's people now. Or maybe you, if you're considering what it would look like to be God's people. And the promise is this. If you put down roots in covenant relationship with God, if you'll listen to God's statutes and His commandments and do them, He will give you life. He will give you life in His land. And we see later on in verses 6 through 8 that that life is beautiful and compelling, and it's put on display so that the nations will see it and say, I want some of that. I want that kind of justice. I want that kind of love. I want that kind of relationship with a God who has drawn near as your God has. I want in on that kind of life. And you see, the life of rudeness in God leads to fruit for those around us as they discover that life for themselves. And that's the promise that Moses gives his people. If you live into this relationship, you'll experience life that is fulfilling for you and that is generative, impactful, fruit-bearing for others. And so if that's the kind of impact that you want to make, start with the relationship with God. We have a very dear friend uh, who lives in Southern California now, but she used to be a member of our church in Northern California at Grace Marin. Uh, Her name is Sharon. And Sharon came to our pastor, and I was able as a young uh, minister at the time to sit in on the conversation. And she came, and she said, Rod, I want to let you know, I want to ask your advice on some fruit-bearing that I have in mind. My words, not hers at the time. She says... I'm feeling like God is calling me to foster two little girls. And I want to make sure that I'm doing a wise and a good and a right thing. And so my mind immediately goes to all the logistics and challenges that it would be for a single woman mid-career to foster two young girls. Who, By the way, she ended up adopting. And I'm thinking, well, my goodness, if, if she was asking me, I would say, Sharon, make sure you get your ducks in a row financially, and make sure you've got all the child care that you need, and make sure da da, da 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 da. And Rod was much wiser than me, and he said, Well, Sharon, what are you thinking? How have you come to this decision? And she said, Well, really, I've been giving myself to relationship with God, and I've been giving myself to this church community, and I really believe. That out of that life, God's calling me to do this thing. And I'm thinking, oh, you're so naive. Like, church is going to help you? Some pastor I was, right? Of course, she had it right. She knew Deuteronomy 4. If you want to bear fruit, start with deepening your roots, doubling down on your relationship with a God who promises to give it. What's the nature of entering and recommitting ourselves to relationship with God? Well, we see the rhythm here in verse 1. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and rules. Listen to the commandments that I am teaching you and do them that you might live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving to you. At first blush, it could sound like Moses is saying, If you just white-knuckle it and obey these commands, at the end of the day, you'll get this reward, which is life. And in that reading, it feels like doubling down on a relationship with God is obeying arbitrary rules so that we can get a reward at the end. And maybe that's what life with God feels like to you sometimes. And I want to tell you that that is not the life that the Scriptures invite us to to participate in at all. Life with God begins as a gift with God. We see it right here in the passage when he says that if you hear and obey, you'll go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you, that he has already given them. They're standing right on the edge and he's going to give it to them. Friends, this is the rhythm of God throughout the entire story of his dealing with people. From first to last, God's grace invites us in every single time. I delivered you from Egypt so that you could come and be my people. I've done it. Salvation is yours. Now go live in light of that love of mine. Go, listen, here. do all that I command you to do because I am your God and I've given you the land. Now go enjoy it. That's what life means. There's a quality of life that he is inviting them into. Go into the land and live the kind of life that I long for you to have. The way you have that life, that good and fulfilling life that can be generative and fruit-bearing for others is by doing life the way I designed it to do. I'm giving you me, and I'm giving you my ways. God's commands aren't these arbitrary rules meant to test us so that if we can stand up to them, even though it's miserable, He'll give us this reward at the end. No, these are His blueprints for the good life. Think of the Ten Commandments, the first four. Draw us deeper and deeper and deeper into relationship with God. And the last six move us out into deeper and deeper and deeper life-giving relationship with others. That's what Deuteronomy is about. The rest of Deuteronomy expands on those commandments. Not as a way to earn God's favor. We have it. He's delivered us. Now in Jesus we have the relationship. Listening and obeying are acts of love. Listening and obeying are always acts of love, not duty and not compulsion in the Scriptures. We see it further in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 22. Moses says, again, if you're careful to do all that I command, all that you hear... And here's what that looks like. He goes on to say, loving the Lord your God, walking in His ways, and holding fast to Him. Right? If you live into a relationship of love with God, and out of that relationship, in ways that are blessings to others, following God's blueprint, you will experience life. And that life, he goes on to say, is fruit not just for you, but for others. Did you catch that in verse 6? He goes on to say, keep them, commandments and stipulations, keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding. Now listen to this, in the sight of the peoples, that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples. Who when they hear all these statutes will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. And What great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him. And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today. Let's take a quick theology break and think geography. Do you know, where is the nation of Israel located geographically? I think about it for a moment. In this day, Egypt was directly below, one of the great nations of the known world. Mesopotamia was to the east. Out of Mesopotamia came the great nations of Assyria and Babylon. In the west, there were port cities directly into the Mediterranean. And coming from the north, two highways going north to south connecting all the great nations that would one day be Europe, with all the great nations that are now Africa. By design, Israel was right in the mix. By design. So that, as Israel lived the life that God was inviting them to live, the nations would see and be compelled and draw near and find life. One scholar of Deuteronomy says that when you read Deuteronomy, this is what a foreign nation traveling through Israel might see. Unlike where they came from in Israel, there is a people who worship only one God, Yahweh. And because they worship this one God, they treat one another and even non-residents well. They give rest and eventually freedom to their servants, They do not charge one another's interest, and so they do not profit from one another's misfortune. Indeed, there are no poor in the land. Their officials and judges grant true justice regardless of the claimant's wealth or status. They do not invest all power in a single king or individual, but power is spread out. Women are not treated as objects merely to be cast off when they no longer please. Religious celebrations include all levels of society, and he goes on. Point being, the life that is found when we give ourselves to relationship with God is a life that will be compelling and draw the nations into that very life with God as they see it put on display. Do you want to bear that kind of fruit for the nations? Give yourself to life with God. That's the promise of Moses' pep talk. But of course, every good pep talk not only has a promise, it has a challenge. You know this, right? Your band instructor might tell you and remind you right on the edge of the great day that this piece of music is one of the most difficult that you've ever played in your life. And by the way, you're playing on the biggest stage of your life. And by the way, I'm sure you have butterflies in your tummies right now, right? And starts to lay on challenge, upon challenge. That's part of every good pep talk. There's external threats and there's internal conditions that make this a worthwhile challenge to take on. And indeed, there are challenges for Israel as there are challenges for us if we are seeking to ground our life in God in ways that can bear fruit for the nations. One challenge is this, And this challenge may resonate with some of you more than others. Some of us love rooting our life in relationship with God. And we love it so much that sometimes we forget that that relationship is meant to be not just for us, but for others. In other words, we're good with the roots, but we don't always think about bearing fruit. And this was certainly going to be a challenge for Israel. Think about who Israel was. They were a nation of landless ex-slaves, refugees. And they're being delivered, and they're going into a promised land. And so it's certainly natural for them to feel like, yes, finally, we have God. We have land. We're good. Let's enjoy it. And God wanted them that for them. But He didn't want them to stop there. He wanted His blessing Not just to flow to them, but to flow through them. And the same is true for us today. Friends, is Christianity for you mostly about what happens on Sunday morning? Is Christianity for you mostly about what happens between you and God in those quiet moments in which you're prayerfully connecting your life to Him? Have you maybe never been told or perhaps forgotten that that blessing of life with God is not just to be received, but to be displayed for others? In your workplace, in your homes, in your schools. Friends, Daniel prayed this part of my sermon for me when he prayed that God would give us grace as we take His love into our vocations and live it out there. Kids, let me talk to you for a second. I've been talking to you, but let me talk to you directly. You're going to go to your schools on Tuesday morning, because you get Monday off. You're going to go to your schools. And some of you are going to remember that Jesus loves you. And He gave Himself for you. And you're going to remember the things that you learned at Grapes and Peas, and maybe you'll remember something that you learned in a sermon. You're going to take Jesus with you to school, but guess what? He doesn't just stay hidden inside of you when you go to school. You're going to remember that Jesus loved you, and so you can love a classmate. You're going to remember that Jesus was kind, and he brought you in, even though you didn't deserve it. And when a classmate is being a little bit rude, kind of a jerk, you can forgive them and you can move toward them and go sit with them when no other student will. Because Jesus is giving you a life that you get to take and to give to others and bear fruit. And maybe, just maybe, you might find a classmate who doesn't know Jesus, but because they've seen Jesus in you, they might ask, well, what makes you so different? Tell me about this Jesus person. And of course, adults, we should be listening in as we move into our workplaces and our lives on display. Parish groups we mentioned are places where, as a community, we can get together with those around us who live closest to us so that we can go deep in our relationship with God. We do that by gathering in homes and by studying His Word and praying and fellowshipping together. And yet, at the same time, we are always to be asking the question, how can these groups equip us, maybe even be used by us, to bless our neighbors and to bear fruit for them? Are there ways that our parish groups could actually be put on display? As Deuteronomy 4 reminds us, are are there ways that we can act justly? and display the nearness of our God in ways that somebody else might see, bear fruit for them. Friends, some of us need to be challenged not to stop with the roots, but to move on to the fruit. And others of us face a different talent, challenge. Excuse me. Others of us love the fruit, but sometimes we forget that we need the roots of relationship with God in, able to, in order to be able to bear that fruit. We want the kingdom without the kingdom, the king, so to speak. We love the idea of being just and loving others, but at some point along the way, we've started to believe that we can do that without receiving the love of God himself. And the justice of God has been displayed for us by Jesus taking our penalty on our behalf. We've come to believe that we can have all the goodies And that we can even give all the goodies in life apart from God, and Deuteronomy Deuteronomy reminds us it just doesn't work. Right, the point of God having Israel display His glory is because His glory is better. He wants it on display vis-a-vis the law code of Hammurabi in Babylon because it's better, because God's fruit is better. It's richer, it's deeper, and it's connected to Him. And as you live it out, you're connected to Him so you can do it. Friends, if, is your Christianity primarily just about the things that you can go and do for God? As we study and dig deeper into Deuteronomy, challenge yourself to listen to and obey the commands of God that He's going to give us that draw us near unto him. Friends, if our fruit is cut off from the root, it will wither, and it will not be life-giving at the end of the day. And that's the challenge. And so let's end with the comfort. Because every good pep talk has to answer the question, how? And you've heard your coach, or your band instructor, or your best friend say things like, here's how you're going to do this. Dig deep. Dig deep. Remember your training. Play the perfect game. Play for your teammates. Here's my favorite. Give it 110%. No, give it 115%. Every good pep talk tells you how. Moses gives the most bizarre pep talk the world has ever heard. By the end of Deuteronomy... Moses has been pleading with the people of Israel to listen and obey so that you might have life. And then at the end, he says this, by the way, guys, I know you're not going to do it. I'm sorry, but I know you're not going to do it. You are going to fail. You are going to fail big time. And guess what? I'm sorry to tell you this, but God's going to cast you out of the land because you can't do this. But you know what, one day he's going to give you a heart that can. Not a heart of stone, but a heart of flesh, and you'll return. And you'll be able to live in a way that the nations will see and draw near. One day that will happen. Friends, Israel couldn't do it. Do you think that you can? Do you think that I can? Do you think that we can together apart from Christ? No, the answer answer is no. History has proven over and over and over again how did Israel finally obey in the person of Jesus friends Jesus came as the true and faithful Israel Jesus didn't just drop randomly out of the sky to forgive us of our sins and take us back to heaven with him He came as an Israelite in the 1st century into a people who had failed over and over again, to be the true Israelite who didn't fail. Finally, an Israelite who listened intently and lovingly to the commands of his Father. Finally, an Israelite who loved the way of his Father, who obeyed joyfully and perfectly the will of his Father, who didn't just obey the law, who fulfilled the law, not just on his behalf, but on our behalf who bore the curse of our failure, and who was not just the righteousness of God on display for the nations, but the righteousness of God given up for the unrighteous. Friends, here's the good news. Here's the how. Jesus has done it. The application isn't go and be Israel, but be a little better than they were. The application is Jesus is Israel, and you are in him. And I am Him. We'll fix that on the tape. And together, we are in Him. And He's done it. The pressure's off. And we're united to Him, and so His power is in us. And so we can actually display Him. And here's what I love the most. The life that we're giving, the fruit that we're bearing, is to point our friends to Jesus And we can do that in our successes, and we can do that in our failures. Friends, when we fail, and when we receive his forgiveness, and when we apologize, and when we say, it's not about me, it's about him, that is compelling. And our neighbors just might see and want to draw near. Friends, what an opportunity we have together. It's going to take hard work figuring out what these commands are in Deuteronomy and how they fit in to our life now, but we can do it, and as we do it, we can double down on our relationship with God and Jesus, and we can bear His fruit. Let's pray that God would give us grace to do so in the days and weeks ahead. Jesus, we pray that these words of life of yours would be for us a pep talk to encourage us, maybe for the first time ever, toward faith in you. That your words would encourage us, those of us who have been following you, to recommit, to double down with love and joy into our relationship with you, but to not stop there, to live outwardly bearing your good fruit. We will give you all the glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.